Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast, the end of week two. It's a post-game Southern Miss podcast here on uh, Sunday evening as we tape this back in our regular schedule now that the uh, Florida State's back playing their games on Saturday. 66-13, to 13, uh, a close one in Tallahassee. I, I can't say this one was expected to be close and ever really was. Um, it felt like Southern Miss was cooked before they even really had a chance to try to get things going here. Uh, Florida State scoring at least 14 in every quarter, really just smothering Southern Miss, even with the backups in there and and, and dropping down to third string. Plenty to talk about, I think, from a uh, going down the roster perspective, but I think there's still some interesting notes kind of around just the starting group, how they played, uh, and maybe a couple things that we're seeing as a bit of a trend through the first two weeks. Brian Pellerin here, John Marchand, and Ben Mayerson. Ben, I'll go to you first, man. What stood out this week? Oh, I think, um, you know, of course, Keon Coleman, Trey Benson, always doing great things. So I want to start off by giving my uh, <laughs> my hat off to them because they're fantastic. They're going to be Sunday players. But um, I think, you know, the big thing that I walked away with from this game that I really had concerns about is Johnny Wilson and this drop issue that just seems to keep coming up and and honestly, I think it, it may be getting worse. Um, and, you know, sometimes with, with drops, it can be a physical thing where it's technique. It's how you catch the ball. Um, that's something that can be fixed. And this was always kind of an issue Johnny had. So, you know, I think we were always hoping that, you know, this is a, a physical thing that he could get around, that he could fix and that he could improve and, you know, something he would get better at. But I think clearly it's gone far beyond just that. Now, I think it's it's clearly he's in his head at this point. Um, and it's it's hard to watch sometimes because I think it's so obvious that, you know, it really just is a mental thing where he, he's missing it. Um, you know, last year, I think I'm, I'm pulling up his his drop rate from last year. He had a 12 percent drop rate, just not good enough. Um, and we saw that pop up several times throughout last year, throughout this year, it, it just has been rough. And like I said, it's only getting worse. So I think, you know, and, and I, I was chatting about this with you guys, my, my biggest concern really in terms of that drop issue is more so that, you know, with Florida state being the number three ranked team with them kind of having a clear path forward to potentially winning the ACC and making it to the playoff, which we'll get to later on, um, they're going to be playing in some big, important games. And when you have an issue like that with Johnny Wilson, where the drops are happening consistently and they're increasing, um, I'm, I worry that later on in the season and in, in some of those crucial moments where FSU really needs to rely on him, uh, he, he might have some mistakes and, you know, I'm not trying to project anything, but the reality is that, you know, this issue is not getting better. It's getting worse by the game right now. So I think, you know, it's easy. Look, and this is something where he can absolutely turn this around. This is not, you know, set in stone cement forever. It's not it's not the end all, all be all for Johnny Wilson. I'm not trying to write him off. But at the same time, if this continues to be an issue for him, um, I'd have a lot of concerns for him, you know, in some ACC championship atmospheres some college football playoff atmospheres where um, the lights are only getting brighter. So, I mean, Johnny Wilson has shown that he can have big games, that he can be a big time player. He can be very explosive. But, you know, in some of these got to have it moments that might come up later on in the year, um, it's really now. Right now, that's my number one concern with this offense is that, you know, what happens in those moments. Yeah, I noted drops as something that came up a few times in at least the first quarter. I listed out five drops. Uh, Jaheim on the first play, Johnny with two, uh, Deuce Span had one, and I had Keon 
I guess kind of a drop trying to go over two guys in the end zone on that fourth down play. Uh, John, do you see similar there? Or, or do you think there's long-term concern with the drops so far this year, especially coming from Johnny? Um, I mean, I think he kind of is what he is at this point as a player. He's always going to be the guy who's going to make the circus catch, but drop the routine ones. But I, I'm not going to write him off either. You know, Mike Norvell after the game said that he was still a special player. Uh, obviously, Wilson's got some things to work through. He, uh, I just want to point out, he's always open. He's all, the guy's yeah. always open. So, yeah, there's a lot of death behind him, and he does need to figure it out to at least what he was last year. Because uh, right now, I would agree it is, it is worse. Uh, I think seven drops in less than six quarters of football so far this year is just can't happen. Uh, but the guy is always open, and he could be an incredible, reliable weapon for Jordan Travis in Florida State. He's just not that right now. Uh, but it's a long season. There's plenty of time for him to put it together, and I hope you know he gets it, gets it right. And and you know, I, again, I'm not too concerned about him long term. But this is to some extent always the player he's going to be. And overall, with the wide receiver group, I'm not too concerned uh, with the drops uh, from what we've seen so far through two games. You know, one really good opponent, one not not quite as good. This receiving group, again, it's not just Johnny. They are always open. So, yeah, they're going to have some drops, right? And it could cost them, but uh, it's just that's just football. I think overall they're going to be okay. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to sit here and at a 66-13 thing, a, a game, come back, and, and the first thing I'm sure as a fan is like, well, we want to hear sunshine and rainbows. We crushed them. And yeah, maybe we should throw more of those flowers. Um, but I think that's kind of what we thought. We we expected this to be a blowout. And I kind of sit on the front end. This one got out of hand quickly. You were able to just hand it to Trey Benson and make a difference. Um, and I think it's fair for Ben to say his biggest takeaway is a bit of concern on drops. But John, I, I think you're, you're right. If you needed something to hang your hat on to look at it glass half full, it's they're open. They are getting open. You're finding guys open. Jaheim on the first drop of the game is wide open. Johnny's wide open on a couple of his drops. Um, if you can scheme guys wide open, eventually they're going to make catches you would expect. Um, and if not, maybe someone else fills in that role. But I would have to, I'm going to have to figure Johnny continues to improve as long as he keeps his head up and, and you know, isn't upset that maybe Keon's getting the shine this year. But I think this is why you kind of needed Keon, right? I think this is why. We talked all offseason about the need for a guy to be the chain mover, and that that is what Keon gives you. Uh, speaking of which, um, I, of positive things, I just I can't let us go any further without talking about whatever that was that Keon did on that reception along the sideline. I mean, he broke the dude in about a, a, a as John, I'll to steal your line in a phone booth there, and then hurdled the guy. I mean, this guy is just unbelievable every week, huh, John? Yeah, he's an absolute star. And people are asking, too, like, was he this good at Michigan State? And the answer is, yes, he was. But he played for a Big Ten team. And to some extent, you know, people knew he was good, but they didn't know what he was fully capable of doing. Florida State's obviously a better team than Michigan State uh, had last season. You know, everything about this offense is absurd. And it's really given Key on the platform to to really shine, right? I, I think also that may be a little bit of what's going on with Johnny Wilson. Is everyone sees Keon, he's you know kind of taken Johnny's spot from last last year as like that guy, and and I think maybe Johnny, you know, sometimes you could just be trying too hard. But Keon's an absolute star. Uh, the guy's got first round pick written all over him. I thought maybe second round pick coming in out of you know transferring over from Michigan State, but no, he looks like a first round pick. Uh, he's NFL ready. The guy's absurd. Uh, I hope he stays healthy the whole season because he's going to put up a lot of points. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Keon has NFL receiver written all over him. And it's, you know, it's because of the 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 contested catches, how big he is, how he uses his body, how smart he is, how savvy he is, even for his age. But it's also the versatility in which NFL teams could use him. He He's getting used in the slot. He's getting used as an X, as the Z. I, I think NFL teams will look at a guy like him and, and he'll have X receiver written all over him, but that's not his only that's that doesn't limit him in any way. It's more just, you know, that's the kind of role teams would envision him. In. But no, Keon is incredible. I mean, I just want to bring up this one stat you guys were talking about how he's just producing so many first downs, 12 catches, 170 yards, four touchdowns, seven first downs through two games that's absurd I, I you know with the rate he's going on right now 
I don't think he's just going to be a first round receiver. I think he's going to be the second receiver off the board after Marvin Harrison Jr. And there's a lot of competition this year for that receiver two spot. So I think that's going to be something fun to watch out for uh, with, with Keon. He is just, man, he he's special. Well, real quick, another thing I want to point out with the receiver group as a whole is besides the very, very beginning part of the LSU game, ever since then, this receiver group, for whatever issues they're having collectively dropping the ball, or Johnny Wilson in particular, they are blocking their asses off. They yeah. destroying people 20 yards down the field, right? And it's just it hike, it's not just Keon, right? Mm-hmm. It's other guys too, including Hakeem Williams, uh, that freshman, uh Uber talented. They are doing a phenomenal job blocking and uh, it really does show and and that not a lot of teams not a lot of players do that and you can tell that that's something that Norvell has has really enforced including uh Dunk uh you know Dugans has has uh made that an emphasis and it shows and that that's a big important reason about why this team is as good as they are you mentioned a few names there that I think is is kind of important to talk about the way they were able to get to the depth in this game and kind of play, I mean, they were going three, four, five deep, depending on what position you were looking at. Um, a couple of names that stood out for me, it sure feels like Deuce Span's growing into the, the next receiver, that that third guy. Um, I, he was on the field early there, and, and certainly not a younger guy, obviously a redshirt junior, but the size and, and his ability to play there, I think you can see him start to see more snaps and, and more kind of a, a bigger role if Johnny were to continue with the drops, or even just as a third receiver there. And then Darian Williamson got the first touchdown. Rodney Hill looked great. You saw C.J. Campbell both kind of mixed in very early in this game. I felt like the coaching staff kind of knew this one was going to pull away quick. Um, And I was always surprised that the kind of announcers made this one as well, Duffy not being the third quarterback on the field. Um, What stood out to you there, Ben? I saw you kind of start nodding quickly there. Yeah, well, I mean, I I just think, you know, the receiver room is – is you know very bright in terms of the future and the present with this team right i mean obviously we could spend an entire podcast talking about keon and and honestly i'd love to at some point but uh, (laughs) you know i think the rest of this receiver room i mean it's just a really a lot of interesting guys either very young freshmen or some of these transfers we've seen come in like Span, who have a lot of talent that you know they just need to tap into so i think it was good seeing a lot of those guys get their opportunities out there, both freshmen as well. Um, but I, I, you know, I want to go back to the last point about the the blocking with these receivers. It's, it's really impressive. And, you know, I think it's easy to say, you know, when you see it, Hey, it's great. They're doing this. Awesome. And it's kind of easy to take it for granted when most teams in college football just don't block like that and, and and most receivers aren't going to be putting that effort in like uh florida state is is getting out of their receiving room right now so i thought that was really impressive um we haven't mentioned trey benson yet a hat trick from him i mean <laughs> come on you know i rem- i remember this the first game where we at least i kind of walked away being like hey you know it was everything else was great but we got to see a little more trey um man he he got well enough uh, work on on Saturday night so it's good to see him back doing his thing um, but yeah I think when you just look at the skill position groups you compare the tight ends the receivers uh, the running backs to what the, these groups looks like even two years ago it, it it's night and day and it's not only the guys who are on the field against the teams like LSU but it, it's all the guys that we're seeing in these Southern Miss games and, and and guys who are even further down the depth chart. It's the depth, the top of these rooms. Um, man, it's as as good as it's ever been. And, and I don't remember a time in, in my lifetime when FSU has had such a well-rounded group of skill position guys who are going to be Sunday players. And it's funny to me. I, I the note I have written down here: Toa Feely is just a perfect compliment to Trey as well. It, it, it's it, the 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 marriage between the two of them worked out wonderful. Obviously, Trayshawn was great last year, but it just seems like you've kind of found a perfect two headed monster there. Uh, and the three touchdowns, Toa Feely just even when he's in there, he kind of does a little bit of everything as well. I, don't, I never feel like when I see one of the two of them in there, I'm like, well, this is going to be one of those plays. And it's funny sitting here on NFL Sunday when it's like you can tell which running back is in what the play is likely going to be at Florida State's out here, not giving it away. John, do you see anything between the two of them on the way that they play together or anything else that uh, Ben just mentioned? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I could talk a lot for a while about all the good. I'll go ahead and mute and let you go. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, they they, <laughs> they got in what early in the third quarter? They got almost an entire half of football against a good G5 team. That's yeah. on. That's absolutely absurd. I'm just throwing that out there. But um, yeah, the depth. I mean, we got to get a really, really good look at it. It was absurd. Uh, besides Benson and Toa Feely, right? You got Kazaya Holmes played extremely well. I think, uh, what is it, all day Dre, right? Ben, ben Dravius Jacobs got in there, played yep. extremely well. Uh, the depth at running back is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, a couple of linemen got in, right? I think early, I think it was, got in there. Uh, I th- I, we played, what, 95 total players, I think is what it was. And I saw someone tweet, 95 total players. So almost the entire bench got cleared. Everybody got to play for the most part. Um, who else? Uh, oh, Biscuit, Mar- Marquiston Douglas. You know, you know that his touchdown was hilarious, man. Do you, the announcer trying to come up with his name on the fly? He was like, Mark, "Oh yeah, question Mark." Mark <laughs> I, and he was like, "I apologize to the Douglas family." I apologize. Yeah. But Marquise, man, he is he is terrifying when he gets up to speed, and he's like a that kind of jumbo tight end, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, halfway between tight end and an offensive lineman. So I know FSU likes to use him in their jumbo alignments, or almost as like an extra, you know, kind of offensive lineman in there as blocking. But um. He, I mean, when he gets full speed, that's t- I would not want to tackle him ever in my whole life. So, but the the depth that they showed was just absolutely tremendous uh, all across the offensive and defensive lines. Um, and I thought that was really, really good. That's what you want to see, right? You want to get the young kids uh, experience or game reps, that kind of stuff. To do that against a good, almost certainly bull bound G five team is just absolutely absurd. To to blow out the spread as much as they did, almost like doubled it, right? I think they were favorable. What is it, twenty or thirty? Ended up almost doubling. It was thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely insane. And I do want to go back to some of the starters here in a second. I have some few things to say about them. But overall, I thought the death was amazing. I thought they all played extremely well. Very. If you're Novell, you have to be extremely happy with what you saw. Uh, especially out of out of the backups, the second and third stringers got in and competed well, right, against the starters from a G five team. So. Um, you know, hats off. To, I mean, Southern Miss is a good program. Nothing to take away from them. But FSU treated them like they were an FCS team. And that's silly. Yeah. And amazing. But And uh, shout out Kyle Morlock, too. I, I like seeing him get more involved. I know he only had the one catch, but I thought he did excellent. He, st- he stood out as a blocker to me. Um, I just want to continue to see more of him. You know, Jaheim Bell is that feature guy in that group. But good to see Morlock get involved, too. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see Morlock quite a bit going on there. Uh, the other note that I had written down here was the onside kick play. Um, I could see a few people being like, why did you kind of waste that now? You kind of gave it away, but I feel like it was almost, let's just try it in a real game scenario and see if it works. If it doesn't work, great, no big deal. You know, but we were it worked. So we've kind of got the confidence on how it works. What what else, John, anything, any thoughts on the onside kick or anything else in the game? Well, I thought, yeah, I got plenty. I thought... I was a little disappointed. You know, there's obviously a hangover from the LSU win, and I get it's it's realistic to to expect something like that. And but I was hoping not to see it. Right, I wanted them to come out uh, the offense to be crisp, you know, execute right down the field, and it was a little messy. Uh, and they're a little sluggish to start, and I get that. And I think Norvell tried a bunch of different things to get them, you know, like wake up, you know, uh, going for it on fourth down, the onside kick. That he was, you know, trying to push them to just, you know, hey, wake up, let's let's do this. But I felt like they're playing more backyard type stuff and you know i'm not the first person to notice this but um you know southern miss was playing quarters right cover four and so the read's supposed to be you know if you if you're running all these deep routes and you're getting those one-on-ones you're supposed to read high to low and that's what travis was doing um and so people like oh all these guys are open underneath why isn't he taking it well you're you're taught to read high to low you're going to look and if you're getting one-on-one against a team called uh, Southern Mississippi and your Florida State, you are taking that matchup every time. But I thought Travis didn't really play very well. I thought his ball placement was not not good. Um, even if as a lot of his reads his reads were okay, and again, you know, you're not helped out by by the drops. But I thought Travis didn't play very well. I thought the offense was very sluggish, it, it, which was a little upsetting, right? But again, like Brian, you said two touchdowns in every quarter. You put up 66 points and double the spread. So again, after two two weeks, right, we've seen on one hand how absolutely good and absurdly ridiculous, amazing this team is. And on the other hand, how much room they still have to improve, right? 
And that's really exciting and a little scary. Are they ever going to put it together? I don't know. I hope so. Because if they are, and I, I know um, Ben wants to get into this in a little bit, their you know, season, I guess, uh, prospects change quite a bit, even for me. So I still want to see that. I want to see them come in, you know, first quarter, take care of business. Don't be sluggish, you know, fool around, kind of do backyard stuff, be a little messy. I, again, I know part of it was what Southern Miss was doing on defense, uh, kind of dictating a little bit of how we were going to attack them. Uh, but also, again, I thought Travis didn't play very well. I thought the run blocking was a little concerning. I, I thought we should have just, you know, run them over up front. It didn't quite happen. Uh, so that was kind of disappointing. It's a little bit of an area of concern I might have, but they were shuffling around some guys in the offensive line. So those are all my big takeaways from the game. Again, it's hard to complain too much. It feels like nitpicking, yeah. but I, there are some concerns. But at the same time, the big picture, when you roll over a good team like this, you know, <laughs> it's it's fun. It's fun. I don't know what to say. I can't disagree. I mean, it is... It's pretty much that. It, it is a fun game. You came out and absolutely torched them to where you had half the roster in sweats by halftime. I mean, you you were basically kicking your feet up and just watching the clock run down. Ben, any final things we haven't covered for you either? Um, You know, I think, like John said, a little bit of a slow start on offense. It's a little concerning. Um, But, you know, I think along with the Johnny Wilson issue, it's like one of those things where – you have to be glad that it's happening this time of the year against these sorts of teams. Right. You know, so I, I think um, it just goes to show with this team, the margin of error is, is large, right. They, they, they can get away with quite a bit and really just being sloppy in the first half, which I, I thought that that would be the best way to characterize that first half offensively. I wanted to definitely touch on that defense that, you know, I, of course you're playing a team like this, what they did and what they went out there and accomplished, that's that's what they're supposed to do against this sort of team. Um, but I, I do think, and, and I'd be interested to hear what John says about this, just that we are seeing the best version of this defense from Adam Fuller. I think ideally when everything's coming together, you know, it's, you know, let alone the score, just what it looked like, how good they were, open field tackling, um, how how they were able to really disrupt on the line of scrimmage. And then that really just kind of allowed those DBs to continue to make plays throughout the night. Um, I, I, I think, you know, this offense, not like, you know, it is what it is, you know, but this is what we expected from this offense. I think the defense to me was always the thing that was more of a question or maybe had more of a defined ceiling. Um, and I actually, I disagree with that. Now I think their ceiling is a little higher than I thought. And, you know, maybe, you know, of course, an opponent like this, this is, again, this is what you're supposed to do against an opponent like this. But I, I, I like where this defense is trending. I like how they are playing. I, I, I think especially how they're tackling in the open field. To me, that was the biggest thing that stood out to where, you know, that's translatable in the future that, you know, as we get further and further into this season when 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 that really matters, I, I think they're showing all the right things at this point. And in that, we did mention Jerry and Jones. John, thoughts on, on Ben kind of kicking your way, too? Um, Defensive ceiling? That's a really good question, I'm thinking, because they are playing well. They're definitely better, right? And I think, I you know, I kind of got someone had argued with me a little bit. I, I think they were right. I was a little bit too harsh on Cypress last, last week after the LSU game. Uh, I, you know, LSU did have an incredibly good group of receivers, you know, Malik Neighbors is is a future NFL player. Brian Thomas, um, basketball player guy, large as well. So it's a it's a large group that's very similar to FSU in the way they present different challenges. Right, and so I I I do think the defensive ceiling is higher than I thought. I think so far they're playing more like a top fifteen defense in the in the country, which is an improvement. Right, last year I thought they were closer around twenty twenty five. So top 15 is is really good. It is the improvement I wanted to see. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Ben's right. The, the the ceiling for the defense has obviously improved. They're better. I don't know how high or how good they they can be, uh, but the depth is there. I don't I don't remember even seeing Lovett. Right. I think they're being really cautious with him and letting him take his time to come back, which is good. Uh, and I do want to say also is, you know, as as much as I could be concerned about the slow starts, 
outside of Clemson, there's nobody else on the schedule that could hurt FSU for starting slow. I I think I I swear to I think you're getting that, skeptical looks here. People can't see us, but you're getting some skeptical looks. I think uh well it depends, <laughs> right? You can't so last year, right? Like let's go back to last year real quick. Sure. You know, FSU's offense would disappear for a quarter at a time and it really hurt them, right? They lost the three games that mattered, Wake Forest, yeah. uh NC State and and Clemson. I think with how much better this team is and how good they are, it almost looks like they could kind of just be this sluggish thing for almost a half and still win, right? We saw them pull away from LSU in one quarter. That's all it took. And they put up, you know, a whole bunch of points and ran away with it. And and that, you know, they were up, what, 45 to 17 at one point. Most of those came in the fourth quarter. It's almost like a little bit of like what the 2014 FSU team was like, where they just mess around, you know, and the game did have a little bit of that uh, against Southern Miss, a little bit of a kind of playing with their food vibe to it. Some people pointed that out. But in 2014, FSU was just not great for long stretches of the game, but then they turned it on for 20 minutes at a time, except that 20 minutes was just way better than what anyone else could do. And FSU still went undefeated right in the regular season. Um, it's almost like that, right? That's how much better I think this team is than most of the competition on the schedule. So while these slow starts concern me, and I'm still nervous about the Clemson game, although, you know, Clemson hasn't looked very good so far this year, I think that they can be a little sluggish at times and it won't hurt them like it did last season. Because I think when they are good, they are really good. Right. Overall, I'd say this team is not as good as the 2013 team that won the title, but they are still very, very good. Well, as someone pointed out, the 2013 one team won in, in despite of uh, Jimbo's incompetence. So um, <laughs> see as he flashed again this weekend. But I mean, I guess to to, to kind of answer all of that for me, I think the defense has a higher ceiling because at any point they can almost just tell you you are not going to run the ball on us. I think which is an, an an incredible skill to have or, or a little weapon in your back pocket. Because, um, I mean, like I, we talked about it last week. LSU had large numbers, but it was really one QB draw from um, Jaden Daniels that they kind of set up to open that possession. And then like one third and long where they're running back at the outside for like 35 yards. Um, but I, I think those are two more well-timed play calls than anything for LSU because other than that they had nothing and then Southern Miss same thing they averaged they put up 200 and something but if you gave me a what do you do to win this or they put up 104 in the game but if you gave me like what do you do it was like well don't let Frank Gore Jr. beat you and he didn't have a carry till they're already down 14 nothing Southern Miss just came out and were like well that's not gonna work so I mean if Southern Miss in, in their one skill and I get it they're not as good as you but if they're willing to just walk out and go we can't run the ball on this team period end of story that's a that obviously raises your ceiling because you have the ability to do that too. I think you have a better chance of telling anyone else the rest of your schedule, you're not going to run the ball on me. Um, I think the only team left, I think who could do that to you is Miami. And I, I I'm with John. I'm not going to put Clemson away until you beat them. I just won't do it yet. Um, but I mean, I don't think any of these other teams are going to be able to just line up and beat you though. Ben will come in later with the Duke conversation. I'm sure. Um, and I think that's what raises your ceiling. And I think that's that's where I look and I say, if you can do that, that keeps a team from really grinding out the clock against you. And so then you're able to just have that explosive run of possessions. They can't just play keep away from you. They can't just hold it for a quarter. You're going to get chances at it. And this offense, given enough chances, is going to find the end zone. Yeah, and and I think you know where this defense has really improved beyond the you know I think the running game that's a that's an excellent point and, and that just helps out everything else in this defense. But I, I think especially what we've seen through two games, what stands out is just how good they are in third down and red zone situations. Right, I, I think to me, you know, you look at that LSU game, they really made the difference in some of those red zone calls where LSU just could not punch the ball in, and yeah. because. Florida State was so stout in the red zone because they were so stout on third down, they were able to run it away with the offense. Like it gets back to my point earlier about the margin of error. When you're able to do things like that, it only increases the margin of error where FSU can be a lot more sloppy and have misses and drops and things like that and still be able to run away with games. So I, I think 
you know, but to go back to John's earlier point about how this offense stalled for a quarter at a time last year, it, it, around the same time the offense stalled, the defense also let up crucial um, downs and conversions and scoring opportunities. And I, I just don't think that defense is the same defense from last year. And, and to me, it's the mix of those two things with this offense, just being able to, okay, you know what? One drive, we're going to have a three and out the next three straight drives. We're going to score every single time. Um, they're just able to flip the switch, but then on the opposite side of the ball, when your defense is so stout in situational football, like they have been so far and, and, you know, that's really, I think, what I'm talking about with the ceiling being raised is, of course, I think the running game is an excellent point. But really, situationally, um, this defense has been excellent so far, and I think they can continue to be that way. Um, and, of course, as competition raises, you 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 play against Clemson, Miami, Duke. Um, it's it's going to it's going to be tougher. You're going to be tested a lot more and they'll have an opportunity to prove just how stout they are. But I think we're seeing all the right things and kind of all the right ingredients. The challenge won't be raised next week, might actually potentially be worse next week as you head up to Boston College. Uh, I think the more interesting thing to watch here is uh, potentially Hurricane Lee and, and any impacts it may have on the game. Looks like it's kind of eyeing that uh, northeast window um, of the country potentially next weekend just something to keep an eye on there but um, Boston College so far this year as a team not very good you've got an overtime loss to Northern Illinois and a three-point win against Holy Cross I imagine this will go much of the same that last week did um, I, I really don't know how else to frame it I don't even really see the path to Florida State not doing that. I'm getting head shaking from Ben. I'm assuming you agree. Uh yeah, absolutely. In terms of the path, um the path is that Florida State can't get to the game because there's a hurricane. That's how they don't win on Saturday. So um yeah, no, I mean it's I, you know, I think in terms of talent disparity, it's even bigger for this game. It's a great point by you. I mean, I think even um, Boston College has lost quite a few of the good players that we saw last year for them. Of course, they flowers, but even their uh, quarterback, Jurgovich, is, isn't there anymore. Is that um, Pitt, I believe? Yes. So yeah. we'll see him again this year. Um, but really, I mean, and, and he wasn't anything special, but for Boston College, he was pretty good. Um, so I think, you know, by the way, sh- shout out to Zay Flowers. He looked good today in the NFL. But <laughs> Shout out to Jay Flowers. Zay Flowers. Yeah, Zay Flowers. He's a baller, man. I, I don't know. I'm just an NFL draft guy. I love guys like that. But uh, yeah, you know, I, Boston College, it's it's going to be rough if you're a Boston College fan. John, I assume you're on the same page there. I can't. Yeah, last I checked, it was a 25-point spread. I would be feels surprised. Low. Yeah, it feels very low. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Again, Florida State could come out sluggish, and I think they could win by five touchdowns. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't care if Boston College lost to NIU and almost lost to Holy Cross this past week because they spent the entire offseason and two weeks of the regular season prepping for FSU. It, it won't matter. Yeah, it, it's twenty. I see twenty eight and a half uh, for Florida State, and that feels in, insanely low. So, um, you know, if you're if you're into that sort of thing, there you go. Um, Outside of that, I don't want. I don't really care to spend many more time on Boston College. I feel like that pretty much sums it up. This should not be a close game. If it is, Florida State has managed to shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly before going out there and and found ways to give this game away. This is not going to be something that Boston College is going to be able to face or slow down. You guys can go ahead and cold take expose me if something happens. John's got a point. Yeah, well, because you know what I just thought about it while you were talking is we spent this whole time, well, like two seconds talking about Boston College, but nothing we brought up was that, oh, Florida State could maybe have a letdown game because it's a look ahead to Clemson next week. We didn't even talk about that. That's not even a possibility because Norvell, I literally, I don't think he'll let them. Well, they he just, really He won't. They just put out a C-minus game, I think, versus Southern Miss, one by 60. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like I, that. That's just kind of where I'm at with this team. I think it's just like they're just good. I don't. I don't feel like the need to say like, "Hey, they're just good." And you're right. I mean, to, to go. And I think that's exactly what I wrote in the staff picks. Was sure that this could be a letdown spot for them. But Norvell made it clear post game they had things to work on, and I feel like he probably still feels like there's things to work on because Clemson's next. He's just not going to let that happen. Yeah, and I mean, you know, 
it's good to mention that Clemson is is the week after, so that's definitely something to keep in mind. But like you guys have mentioned, you know, Mike Norvell, the mentality. I mean, he talks so much about the emotions of this team and controlling your emotions and being emotionally intelligent and all these sorts of things. I just don't ever think he would allow something like that to happen. And to be honest, I'm not sure Clemson is quite the look-ahead game that it, it was in the preseason. Well, I think I think that's the one place that Ben and I, or John and I disagree. I don't want to say disagree with you, but are not willing to take the same step that you are just quite yet. I think, John, maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're, you're kind of still in the let's beat Clemson before we put their nail in the coffin. Uh, yes, I I have changed my opinion on how likely I think that is to happen. Uh, again, yep. Clemson's only playing FAU this next weekend. So it's clearly a prep week for Florida State. I, I don't think Florida State's going to get that because, yes, they're going to annihilate Boston College, but you do have to take them seriously and prep for them. I think – but Clemson won't really – they'll get to – you're not going to have to prep against FAU. You're going to stomp them. So I think Clemson has the advantage there. Yes, you do have to beat them before we can go any further about what FSU's prospects really are this season. I, but I do expect FSU to beat them. I think FSU is the better team, clearly. Uh, but I still think Clemson is dangerous because whatever the A, and we're going to talk about this, I, I guess, after next week, uh, next week's pod, but whatever Clemson's quote-unquote A game is, I expect them to play, right? They they seem to be able to move the ball, but they keep turning it over. I expect them not to turn the ball over against Florida State because that's just exactly what's going to happen. I don't know that it's going to matter. I think, yes, we can't get ahead of ourselves, but at the same time, I don't see any reason why Florida State shouldn't be expected to beat the Tigers. I think I agree. I mean, I'm, we are talking about the last place in the ACC, Clemson Tigers, though, just putting it out there. <laughs> um, they This week, they, they to look at the ACC and kind of do a quick wrap there, they did struggle early against Charleston Southern. I think this one was tied after one or – uh, yeah. They were trailing there maybe early. Um, they did end up winning 66-17, so it wasn't like this was close long, but I think it was closer than it probably should have been, longer than it should have been. Um, and you watch them get kind of manhandled by Duke. I I'm I think I'm right with John, where I'm not willing to say this is a this is a Clemson's garbage. They're done. They're finished. But I have also moved on where I think Clemson is, and I think if you beat Clemson. Um, I don't think you're playing Clemson a second time this year. I think if you beat them this time, I think they are they are out of your way because I don't see Clemson beating Miami and, on the road and North Carolina this year um, and going to NC State. I, I just – I'm not seeing that from Clemson unless they beat you. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I thought when I got to that thought the, this weekend that – the team FSU would face would be North Carolina, but then they really struggled and, and almost came extremely close to losing to Appalachian State. So now I'm thinking it's Miami, and that means you're going to play Miami twice because I don't know who else it's going to be. I mean, it could still be Clemson, but they don't look very good, right? You know, my, it's the best Miami's looked in years on Saturday when they beat a mediocre A&M team, you know, but then North Carolina's got Drake May. He's really good, but their defense is terrible. And you almost lost to Appalachian State, who, again, is a solid team. But, you know, if you're trying to contend for the ACC, that's not really what you want to be doing. And I, I could see North Carolina. I think it's North Carolina, Miami. I would go Miami, North Carolina, Clemson in that order, kind of one, two, three in most likely. Um, I was really impressed with Miami this weekend against A&M. Tyler Van Dyke was slinging that thing and, and having Restrepo back obviously makes a big difference for him. I feel like it's some kind of safety blanket. They ran the ball really well. Um, I think North Carolina was probably more a victim there of playing a app state team that knows how to make up the win up, pull off upsets. They seem to do it every year uh, in state school coming to your town, ready to, you know, upset big brother. I, I think that was maybe more at play there than them maybe being weaker, but Ben, do you, you kind of in that same vein? I, I mean, we still haven't mentioned Duke. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I gotta get, I gotta, I'm sorry, you know, I mean, I just remember preseason when we were someone discussing. Someone said it, yeah. Yeah, someone said, hey, Florida State might lose to a Duke or a Pitt. Might have been me who said that. I just don't have a great memory, so I don't exactly remember. We'll have but, to check the tape. Um, you know, I think 
teams with really good head coaches and potential first round quarterbacks are dangerous. And um, Riley Leonard is going to be the real deal. You're going to hear a lot more about him the more this year goes on. He's going to be, I, in my opinion, right now he might be QB three on a lot of NFL boards. Um, and, and he's a lot higher in, in the NFL world than people realize. So, um, you know, I think Duke is, is going to be tough, but I, I, I do think it comes down to right now. I, you know, Clemson, I, I'm not discounting Clemson, but I think with how sloppy they play, um, you know, they just don't have the talent. Dis, you know, they don't have that talent difference that they've had in the past to where they can play so sloppy and just continue to to put away these wins. Now, um, you know, very, you know, still very worried about them against Florida State. I think they're a good matchup in terms of, you know, from Clemson's perspective, it's a good matchup for them um, in some senses. But, you know, at the same time with how often they tend to shoot themselves in the foot right now. And, you know, I just don't see any evidence so far that that's going to be changing anytime soon. I just don't see them going through an entire ACC season, putting it together and not dropping a game or two here and there, even if they pull off the upset against Florida State. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I do think Clemson is definitely, you know, you worry about them against FSU. I still am picking FSU, of course, because um, FSU's proven that they're the better team so far. But, you know, Clemson just, yeah, they they tend to be pretty sloppy. But, you know, again, UNC, Duke, Miami, um, I really want to see more of those teams. Um, you know, Duke is just, in my opinion, a very well-coached football team. And they're, to me, the reason I picked them in the preseason is that they're, they're the exact type of team you know, that if FSU has certain injuries along the season, they hit them on the right week that they could make a game against Florida State pretty um, dangerous. That's why I picked Duke is because, you know, if Florida State is missing a Jared Verse, let's say a game or a Keon Coleman or Trey Benson or, you know, whoever it might be, if they're missing three, four, five starters, um, I, I think Duke is dangerous enough with with Riley Leonard, who shown is, you know, he can keep that Duke team in games. So to me, um, right now, the, the three biggest threats are Duke, uh, Miami, UNC, um, because of the ceiling of those football teams. I, I, I just think Clemson, with how disorganized they've shown to be and with the fact that, you know, they didn't look more talented than Duke did. Um, they they looked on the same kind of on a level playing field against Duke in terms of talent disparity. I I, I think they could beat Florida State, but I, I'm just not sure that they have what they need this year to make it to the ACC championship. I think the biggest thing in that chase is that the loss they already have is in conference. Yes. If if that week one game was say against Notre Dame and they lost that game where it's not a conference loss, I'm sitting here thinking Clemson still has an opportunity in front of them. Um, but with having already a conference loss, and I would expect. Florida State to beat them. Um, I don't think they're the team that's there. I think if you lose to Clemson, then you're most likely playing Clemson again. If you beat Clemson, I think the door is wide open to play a bunch of other teams. Um, and I think that's where we start seeing. And I think this is where the schedule maybe does you a favor, where Clemson played that ACC game first and got to look really bad off the bat and start that way. And then you get to be the next chance for them. You know, you are the next real game on their schedule. Whereas maybe the beginning of the year we talked about, well, it's a tough start for for FSU to go LSU Clemson. Now that you've already beaten LSU, you get to turn around and be the ones who kind of maybe get the chance to start to bury Clemson uh, and potentially put them pretty far behind the eight ball and force them to run the table. Because, I mean, two losses, I can't imagine three is going to get you in. So to get into that title game, you're they're pretty much going to have to stick at two. Um, Miami is a team we haven't talked too much about um, in terms of how they performed this weekend. They did really put it on uh, A&M who was ranked, which was likely overrated as it is that all the five stars and four stars they have over there just seemingly can't do anything right. Uh, that was 48 to 33. It felt like uh, A&M had them early and then Miami really just uh, came out scoring quick. John, do you like what you saw from Tyler Van Dyke and Miami? Do they scare you more than maybe you thought before? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I, I mean, look, Miami's got talent. They have some talent, right? But I think it's, 
I don't think they have the depth and they don't have the starters across the board the way that Florida State does, right? So some guys like Cam Kitchens, you know, I, I think he had to get taken out stretcher over. He's okay, but their yeah. safety, Cam Kitchens, is incredibly good, right? They got a, they've got these players here and there throughout the, you know, their starting roster that are all really good. But then they have some of the other guys that just they're just okay, right? They're they're not great. And so I think that FSU has a talent advantage across the board and depth-wise against Miami. Uh, but that's the main thing about Cristobal, right? He's gonna recruit. So I, you know, I I know Miami, I guess technically their blue chip percentage is better than Florida State's right now. I just, I don't think that their starters are up to the same level as FSU's, but they're a good team. They're, they're clearly better and more competent than they were last season. Now, let's put it that way. How good they turn out to be, we're going to have to find out. Um, you know, I can't give them too much credit for beating an A&M team who is obviously very talented, but um, Jimbo Fisher's. Excuse me. Yeah. I got coffee because um I can't even get his name out. Yeah. I don't know. He's gonna get fired. I just it's a matter of when. I don't know when, but it's happening. It seems like it's gonna happen this season. They're just gonna hand the keys to Bobby Petrino and keep it rolling, which will be interesting. Um the one thing with Miami, they have no one really in front of them uh for the next few weeks. It's Bethune Cookman, it's Temple, then they're off Georgia Tech to open October. Um, so before you know it, they're sitting here October 14th, and I assume 5-0, and 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 the hype train will be building. Then they'll go North Carolina, Clemson, back-to-back weeks. Ben, the one part that I think concerns me most with Miami compared to everyone else on the schedule, um, they're the one most likely to be able to throw it around the yard um, out of the rest of the teams. I, I don't think Club Nick and the gang are there yet. I don't think um, – obviously, North Carolina is not on your schedule. You'd be an ACC championship-type team, but – uh, I don't think Riley Leonard is there yet with Duke's weapons compared to Tyler Van Dyke, or at least not in my perspective, but you're a Duke guy. So tell me why I'm wrong. No, no. I mean, look, you know, <laughs> Leonard's still got a lot to prove. I just think he's one of those guys who can keep games alive. And, um, you know, that to me is a little more dangerous. So, um, you know, in terms of Miami, yeah, they, they looked really good. Um, I think it's definitely a, a little more concerning than they were a few weeks ago. Um, but I also have, you know, lived in the the state of Florida throughout most of my life and paying attention to college football. Uh, Miami looks really good in September and October a lot. So we'll see how that pans out. Fair enough. The only other thing I think that's interesting going forward here that I think that we covered the ACC picture, uh, the college football playoff picture had a weird weekend as well. Um, for my thought here, I feel like the window for, extra teams in the playoff kind of cleared up this weekend. Um, We're used to seeing that Bama undefeated late in the year. And then it's Bama maybe getting in even as an an SEC at large team with like one loss. I don't see that. I think they have to win the conference to get in, um, especially with the way Texas just smoked them. Personally, I wasn't all that impressed with Texas either. Um, I feel like the big 12 may end up cannibalizing itself. Um, I just felt like the path, if you're a Florida State fan, to a playoff picture kind of opened up a little bit. You kind of saw where the SEC looks like it will be Georgia. Maybe the winner of LSU-Bama, if they go on to win the conference, could throw a wrench in that. But it feels like it's Georgia. Um, Big Ten feels like it'll be one of the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State teams. And then it seems like maybe whoever wins the Pac-12 is is, is team four. That ACC champion spot, if you are Florida State and that. Uh, seems open for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, to me, the path to a a national championship for Florida State is much clearer than it was three weeks ago. Um, And and I think that to me is the most encouraging thing moving forward. Obviously, that happens when you beat a team like LSU, but you made excellent points, Brian. You you see everything else going on around you. Probably only going to be getting one SEC team. It's probably going to be Georgia. Um, you know, unless one of these other two teams goes on a run, but then at the same time, you know, the SEC, they, they may just cannibalize themselves in, in a way where that, that second team in the SEC might not have a good enough record to get in. Um, and then in terms of, you know, um, big 10, Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, one of those teams is going to get in. I, I doubt that two will. Um, yeah, I think for Florida State right now, in back-to-back weeks, they've gotten the second most first-place votes. So I think, you know, even though they're number three and number four in back-to-back weeks, um, 
they clearly have believers and they're, you know what, there, there just is something and the brand and, and Mike Norvell and how Florida state has gone about building up their program. You know, I think people would look at what they're doing and kind of say, Hey, they've done it the right way. And I think that kind of narrative lends to Florida state, you know, maybe more than some other schools. So I think, um, you know, yeah, I, I think the college football playoff path is much, much clearer than it, it has been in years for Florida State. Um, I, I think the path is pretty simple. Maybe they can get away with one off game or, you know, one weird game against a Pitt or a Miami or a Duke or one of these teams. But if they have one loss or no losses, go and win the ACC, they should be in the college football playoff, plain and simple. John, I imagine it's a lot of the same. I don't really see... It's funny because I feel like last year put them in a position the way they closed to be that dark horse team building up through it. Um, and I felt like they kind of needed to earn some respect. That they, they were a popular, well, this team is probably top five, top handful, but it felt like all the metrics and a lot of the preseason rankings kind of had Florida State lower than I anticipated, but it seems like just the first week win has kind of earned them the respect already, that if they just play play the games in front of them, and handle their own business. There's no brand building, no respect, resume building type stuff. It's just, if you want to play in that type of game, you just win the games in front of you at this point. Yeah, I kind of agree with the points that you made, which was, uh, one, we learned a lot through two weeks of the season. I agree with you, it's going to be one SEC team so far. Uh, It'll be one of the Big Ten, you know, triumvirate, right? One of those top three uh, Big Ten teams. Uh, probably USC if they don't stumble. Their defense is still bad, but better than it was last year. Their offense with Caleb Williams is so good, it doesn't matter, yeah. I don't think. And then, yeah, the 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 main – but all of that aside, whatever all that is, right, FSU – the main point is FSU controls its destiny. I agree with you. Yes. If they win, you're in. I think you could even lose one game. As long as you still win the ACC, you probably are going to get in, right? Um it gets a lot, obviously a lot more iffy. You might be in that position where, you know, if you're Florida State, that you have to win out. But the point is, is that one, you have the ability to do that, and two, it's all sitting right in front of you, right? Clemson looks vulnerable, way more vulnerable than we thought, right? Again, and, and real quick, one last thing on Clemson for me is, I, I thought after you hired Garrett Riley from TCU that. Dabo finally got it right. We had pointed to, oh, he has those, this this Clemson culture, Clemson culture. More, it was more important than anything else. I only promote from within. He lost all that experience, right? From from by doing that, he had hundreds of years of of coaching experience on his staff to much, much, much less than that, and it started to hurt their offense right after Trevor left and, and things like that. So, I thought his hiring of Gary Riley showed that he finally, quote unquote, got it. But it's clear that he doesn't, right? And I saw some comments come out that he had said, oh, we didn't hire Garrett Riley to do his TCU offense here. We hired him to coach the Clemson offense. And that has been exactly what we've seen. So Clemson is much more vulnerable than I expected them to be coming into this season. I thought they might return to being contenders. They clearly aren't. Uh, so it's it's there. FSU controls its destiny. It's that simple. You have to win. And I think... And looking at some numbers and stuff like Chuck Blunt on Twitter, and things, he puts a lot of the stuff out there. If you beat, if you're at Florida State and you beat Clemson, the expectation and the uh, highest probability of outcomes is going 12 and 0. And that would need to be the expectation, right? That if you beat Clemson, you win the rest of your games. There'd be no excuse to drop another one. So I, I think that's where it's at. So, it's kind of funny. It's we did learn a lot. I think it's you know kind of upset that we don't get the twelve team playoff this year. Yeah, because I think it'd be very very fun with how this is kind of shaken out so far. Uh, with you know LSU has one loss, Bama has one loss, Texas looks like they're they're at least decent or they can at least compete anyway, right? Uh, three good teams in the Big Ten. It would be a great great year for something like that. But I think if you're for state, you just focus on you and it doesn't matter because it, it, you're right, though. It, the table's kind of cleared. The board is set. You've got a path. You just need to go down that path and you need to take care of business. Yeah, it seems pretty clear. You've got it's the top four right now are four champions, uh, four 
from from different conferences, I should say. You've got Texas at the Big 12. You've got you in the ACC, Michigan, Georgia as four through one, and then USC as five. But I think when I look at these other teams, I see more competitors for those titles in the other conferences. You know, Big Ten's got Ohio State at six and Penn State at seven. Right. So that's like you mentioned, the triumvirate, the three of them fighting for that spot. Uh, USC's got Washington at eight. Uh, Georgia's got Bama at 10, Tennessee at 11, LSU at 14, uh, two more Pac 12 teams. You don't have an ACC team in these rankings until 20. It's 20, 21, 22, and, and uh, Clemson's not ranked. Is that, is that right? AP, they're yeah, not ranked not this week. Ranked. Not, ranked. not ranked. Okay. Well, they're not wrong, I don't think. I think that they haven't done anything to deserve it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you don't run into a team that presumably should be in your path. Oh my God, Colorado's 18. What are we doing? Um, <laughs> until now, I don't get it. You know, I just, I, I think the path is there for you. Just handle your business. And honestly, the North Carolina team who's 20 isn't even on your schedule. So Duke is the highest rated team currently on your schedule and Miami. So, I mean, that's, that's where you are. The path is open for you. Just, just handle your business. Can we talk Colorado, man? What are we doing there? 18? TCU is really bad. That's what because you know you knew they were going to do this. You knew they I, were going to do it. I get it. After man. they beat TCU, yeah. Well, they were they were high. Then whatever. I mean, they, I didn't. And think the they way looked... that they did it. Well, no, because they looked they looked against Nebraska how I thought they should have looked against TCU. So TCU must be horrible, right? Yeah. Uh, but they will, and they're going to beat Colorado State next week. So they're going to start three yeah. zero, which is good. I, I you know I have to admit I was at least a little bit wrong on Dion. I thought they only went three games this year. They're going to go three zero to start the season. So I was at least a little bit wrong. But they are definitely going to lose a bunch of games. Right? You can run right down their throat all game. You can't stop it. I think Nebraska would have won that game if they had just run the triple option or something. If with they Sims. could handle a snap. Yeah. But they f- they fumbled four times, turned through a pick, and, and had four uh, lined up offsides penalties on defense. They had three false starts. I was just like, I don't understand. I was watching Nebraska, and I was like, this is unbelievable. And then like Colorado would score like two plays later, and everyone's like, my God, look at Dion. Yeah. I'm like, man, but- ne- Nebraska took out a bazooka and shot themselves in the foot. Oh yeah, every time, every time they were about to do something, they stepped on a rake. But it's unbelievable. The the formula is already there. We've seen it, right? You know, Colorado's offensive line is not very good. You can pressure and blitz Shadur Sanders, who is honestly very good quarterback, by the way. He's but you good. can blitz him. And then just on when you're on offense against Colorado's defense, just run the ball. You don't even have to. You could probably get away with throwing it less than 10 times against Colorado. That, that's how bad their run defense is. And it's not going to get better. They don't have the players. In fact, over the season, as the season wears on, right, and all that stuff, they're probably going to get worse. So as, as our starters wear down. So uh Colorado is going to lose a bunch of games I think the media just wants and, and I'm not saying that Colorado doesn't deserve it they kind of do they do and I'm happy I'm happy for the kids let me put it that way um but they're going to lose a bunch of games still well it's also very interesting to watch the media empires build their college football coverage this week off of Colorado just we're going to just build it off Dion. big noon Saturday is going to be live at Boulder at the Colorado game for a third straight week game day is going to Boulder yeah Game day, yeah. I mean, shit. It's... Every everybody's just piled up and said Colorado will be the team that builds our media rights deal for sure. Uh, I will say week three slate's not very good. Awful. I think the best game on on the schedule is Tennessee, Florida. So I'm surprised they're not going there for game day. But I, I mean, I get it. Colorado's going to put up a bunch of points and be Colorado State start three and zero. So yeah, they're they're buying in all that all that. So yeah, my next concern I'm... for that is is they're, they're going to do it again the week after. It's Colorado at Oregon. They're just going to do it again the week after. They might. I mean, I, I think, might. you know, the reason Colorado is getting so high, the hype, of course, helps. But I think how they're doing it, you know, the that passing game, how good Shadur Sanders is. I mean, he is a legit NFL guy right now. Yeah, he's got so, a hell of an arm on him. Oh, yeah. And his escapability is impressive. His accuracy. I mean, he is he's a, a very well-rounded quarterback. Um, So, yeah, no, I think. You know, I think it's more about the the how of the results rather than the results themselves. Um, you know, because those those two teams they just played just aren't very good football teams. But I think how it happened is why they are ranked where they are. And you know what? I think they deserve it for right now. I mean, this this thing is fluid, right? Things change quickly, and if they drop a game, they'll drop. But I think they deserve to be where they are. Fair enough. Any other final thoughts before we call it a week and uh, head into Boston College? 
Uh, I still want to plant my flag as Keon Coleman being wide receiver too. Just want to put that out <laughs> right now in September um, because NFL people are getting really excited about him. Um, and yeah, I think he's going to be a top 12 pick right now. Mm, I don't think I have any final thoughts. I think I emptied everything in my brain. <laughs> I left it all out on the pod. There it is. Thank you, John. Uh, I'll toot the horn for the Sharpen the Point podcast once again. My uh, my picks weren't great, but the DFS lineups we provided on the game on, on the on the pod again, cash all cash happened again. So you know, Friday, looking forward around Friday morning, uh, picks and DFS plays for the main slate on DraftKings should be a weird week this week with like no ranked teams playing anyone. So it could be a drunk one. So we'll see how that one goes. Check that out on Friday. Um, We'll be back again, I guess, next Monday, right? Talking some Boston College, and it'll be a Clemson week, which I think will be a lot more interesting heading into there. We'll see how they stack up against the FAU Owls. Could be fun. Until then, for Brian, John, and Ben, that's a wrap. 